You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. All right, guys, welcome to session three. I love this session so much because I think it is the perfect lead off of our previous session. And so in our previous session, we really kind of started with strategy and then ended up going like super deep on mindset and identity. And in this one, it's basically the exact opposite. We kind of start with some of the mindset stuff and then go much deeper on the strategy that's going to make sense for Robin to scale. And I think it's so valuable to see how all of this plays together, right? It's not, we always start with strategy and then we go into mindset, or we always have to deal with mindset before we can get to the strategy. It's like they're always both weaving in and out of the conversations because they are always both important. And so I just really wanted to name that and say, pay attention to that as you listen to this episode. If you haven't listened to the one before, I definitely listen to that one first because I think this is just the perfect lead on from that. And I think it'll really, really support you. Of course, with the strategy mindset stuff we're talking about, but also just seeing the trajectory of things and how these can all live together is so important. Okay, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> oh God, good. How are you? Technical difficulties. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really good. Thank you. How was your week? Tell me about like stuff you were sitting with. Well, I was like really sitting with the strength component that we talked about last week. I like went. Yeah, down, yeah. I went down the rabbit hole about what strength means and. Mm like what that word actually means in in a language sense, but then like how I interpret it, because is it bold? Is it confident? Is it unapologetic? Is it like, don't fuck with me vibes, which I've never really had. Is it like a strong spine? Like I, you know, like, what does that actually mean? (laughs) Yeah. The things that I wrote down were like real expertise, like being unapologetic about like being a master at what you do. And it's funny because the number one thing I've never been insecure about in my life is my intelligence Mm. because it was like the thing I always got, like, it was kind of like a very easy thing for me in the traditional structures that I grew up in. But I noticed that it's the thing I downplay the most in my business. Like I don't lead with it at all. I really shy away from presenting thought leadership from that like really strong place. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I was like, really try to sit with why. Especially if that's the thing you're most confident in. It's quite interesting that like, that's also the thing you downplay most. And I get curious, like, does it feel like an apology almost? Like I'm downplaying it because I am like, feel bad about that. Or does it feel like uh, I just don't like put that on a pedestal or I don't value it that much because it's always come easily to me. I think mostly the second piece is that like, yeah, it's like one form of intelligence, right? Like there's so many different forms of intelligence. And so when I'm speaking to intelligence here, it's mostly like the intellect, like the critical mm-hmm. thinking piece. I think for me, business is so much more EQ. It's like relational and it's like understanding people and like the human part of that. And marketing to me is more that. And then like business strategy, data collection, trends, patterns, like 
all of that stuff is like more behind the scenes. I think it's so valuable here how Robin really identified that kind of tendency to shy away from from where we're otherwise most confident in business. I have personally experienced this too. I remember like my first coach when I first started my business being like, you're so great at content. Why don't you coach on that more? And I was like, that's so stupid. Who would ever buy that? It's so easy, right? Um, and she was like, or it's just really easy for you. And that means it's the thing that you should focus on. And it really took me a minute to wrap my head around that. And I've told many clients the exact same thing now, where sometimes we, put aside or we downplay the thing that we're most confident in because maybe we want to not make people uncomfortable or maybe we just think it's not important because it comes so easily to us but it is so important for other people and it's usually the thing that they will pay you a lot for and that will be the easiest for you to get paid for so if you are in a similar situation where you're like well gosh this is the thing i'm most confident in but it's not finding its way into my work then i would really challenge you to look at that and see how those could fit together a little more seamlessly and, and I think also it's a little bit like I never wanted to be the nerd in school and I never wanted to, you know, so it's something that I've never really embraced. Yeah, totally makes sense. Like from a perspective of like, who do I want to be? It's not like you've ever been like data scientist or no. any of those things, right? It's been like, in school, you're probably like, not like, I want to get the best grades or like, I want to have the most friends or exactly. whatever. And I think <laughs> online, it can get similar in some ways, right? Yeah. Social media for me feels a little bit like the high school cafeteria. Totally. And when I was sitting with Strong for me, though, like that was the thing that kept coming up is because I've always believed that if you don't allow people to control your mind and like how you see the world and like you really think for yourself and you critically think about things with awareness, obviously of like biases and blind spots and all of that, but like to really not go with the crowd. And I think that that's another part for me that I struggle with is so much of so many times I'm almost like counterculture with how I see things and how I, yeah, just how I interpret situations. And I'm also a very agreeable person. So it's like <laughs> those two things don't match all the time. Yeah. Robin named social media feeling like a high school cafeteria. And it just felt like an important thing to do a little clip around, even though we didn't spend a ton of time talking about it, because I think a lot of people feel like this. And I think it can can bring up so much other stuff where it's not like I'm just using social media to market my business, right? There's like so much more meaning behind it. It's like there's a way to do it right and there's judgment and there's like a cool way to do it and there's a not cool way to do it and all of those things that kind of make us think of high school cafeteria. And so I think that, you know, really being able to name that feeling is so important because again, I think so many of us have it, but also really being able to, which you'll kind of see us go into further in this episode of find your own lane so that you feel so good at the place you're in that it's easier to block out the rest. I think similar to a high school cafeteria, when you kind of like find your people in your crowd, it's a little easier to block out all of the rest of the noise. So just wanted to say, all of us feel that way in many regards. It is so normal. And so if you heard that and were like, oh, me too, it totally makes sense. And also it can feel better over time. Is the default always agreeability? I would say yes. Like who wins in that? Yeah. 
behind the scenes, like no one will change my mind if I am like very convicted on something. I'm not like in a just like go with a mob mentality, but I will also not always like volunteer myself to like be preaching to, yeah. you know. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this makes sense. Like I feel like it goes back to almost that same conversation about how you had so much like vast and varied experience growing up and in your career that it feels hard to put together. And I'm kind of hearing almost the same here where it's like, you always were really smart, but you also do have this like EQ piece and it feels really weird to blend those. And it's almost like you're a very nuanced human. I mean, as like a lot of us are, but right. Like I think maybe to like a a higher degree in terms of like background experience and stuff like that. And it's like feeling quite challenging for you to like make all of that make sense at once. So like there's a, a default of maybe going the agreeable route of like, oh, I'll just give you this one piece of me because it's easier and it'll be more agreeable kind of thing. Yeah, totally. And when I was doing my list of my peers that I really admire, it was interesting because the thing I admire about them is that they're not always agreeable. And like, Mm. I love that they're more polarizing and I love that they do have that like, don't fuck with me vibe. Like even if they're not leading with it, it's like very much fault. Yeah. And it's more the energy there, right? Of like prioritizing, centering yourself in that. Yeah, totally. So then like for a brand, like to me where I realized that my strength is way more in the timelessness and the sustainability because I'm not that like trend hopper person. I've had over a decade of experience. I've seen trends come and go. I'm really good at patterns. So like I'm way more about the timeless approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think that there's more of like the wisdom there that I'm not bringing to the table that to me also feels more like strength versus actually like raw, raw. I'm now like this bold vocal person. <laughs> it's interesting because I really like the word wisdom because to me, wisdom is like a combination of IQ and EQ. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I feel like that's like a really nice North Star kind of word for you as you like bring some of that in where it doesn't feel like you have to leave a piece of yourself out. It's like both of them can exist under this one frame. So I feel like that feels really valuable where it felt like you were bringing more of the like fun friend and maybe now it's like the wise mentor. Yeah. And in my personal life, I'm the wise friend that people come to for advice and all the things. So I think that also is a genuine yeah. embodiment of who I am offline. Yeah, totally. Which is obviously makes life so much easier for you when they're aligning in that way, right? When you're not like, oh yeah, that's where I'm offline, but I'm, you know, I shut some of those parts down when I come online so that it fits into a box. And I think it's just kind of being like, I don't have to. Is there anything specific that really came up for you? Like, obviously that can be like a guiding light, but was it like, I would love to share more about this particular thing or this story or this piece of me or anything there? The thing that came up the most was that I'm really consistent with like adding value and just showing up in general in building relationships, but I am not consistent with the real thought leadership. Like even when I'm thinking it, I don't, I will 
like to process it before I speak it. And so I'll sit with things for a while and then I'll see people like start speaking to the pattern that I've been sitting with for a while. And I'm not at the (laughs) front of it because I'm processing it and like really like reflecting on it in like a very deep way. And so maybe it's just giving myself permission to be a little bit less deep in my own process for so long. Like, is that just who I naturally am when I'm thinking? Or is that also an excuse of like not saying something before other people are saying it? I don't know. But I think the thought leadership and like really owning that more confidently is one of my areas for opportunity for sure. Do you feel like when you're sitting with it and processing it, you're like, like waiting for it to not be messy or is it like, I don't even care if it's messy. I just like, I'm trying to think through every angle before I share. Or like, what do you feel like is that? Like, what would stop you from sharing that sooner? So to speak. I think it's the fact that I don't see the world black and white. Like I'm really in the gray. And so I like to think of things from a lot of different angles and like really see the nuances and really set with multiple truths to get like a coherent piece that I can fully back. And I'm okay if that's messy, but I don't like feeling like I didn't fully express what I actually mean, or I don't do it in a way that then I feel misunderstood. Yeah. So maybe that's the edge Mm -hmm. is the misunderstanding. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, I think especially if you think about the context of social media right now, like everything is so quick and so bite-sized. It's like, you know, our brains like have the attention span of fucking gnats at this point, right? exactly. And so I think that can be really hard when you're a super deep thinker and you like want to share all sides because those two almost just like don't fit together. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there is this way of like there has to almost be like not that you're creating misunderstanding, but like maybe more of like a willingness for that because it's going to happen when you're trying to take big concepts and squeeze them into a six second reel or whatever. And you know this, but it might just be like that internal willingness for it, you know? I cannot explain enough how important I think it is to be willing to be misunderstood. I talk to my clients about willingness a lot because there's so many things we kind of have to be willing to experience in business if we want the growth, the you know success, all of those things. And this is one of them, right? I have to be willing to be misunderstood if I want to be a thought leader, if I want to put content out, if I want to be seen as an expert at what I'm doing, people are going to misunderstand, especially in the way that social media is right now, where it's like a six second thing, you know what I mean? Of like trying to convey a point. And so where so many of us go wrong is we try to protect against that. I will do this so that I'm not misunderstood. Well, I will do it like this so I'm not misunderstood or I will just pull back so that I'm not misunderstood or I'll only do it in X, Y, Z way if I can explain X, Y, Z thing, you know? Like we put all of these parameters around it, trying so hard to not be misunderstood, but really the work is being willing to be misunderstood, that is where I see things shift so much for people is when they're like, yeah, I'm obviously not going out and creating that on purpose, but like I have a willingness to deal with it if it happens. And I know that it probably will happen if I'm going to get the things that I say I want. And so how can I get my mindset wrapped around that? How can I get my nervous system prepared for that? Because when you do that work, it is so much easier when you're constantly trying to market without being misunderstood, you're always going to feel like you're hitting a wall. 
Yeah, because I was really thinking about the marketing piece, like, because I really need to ramp the visibility up. Yeah, yeah. As we scale. And I was like, well, where do I naturally go to hang out in my marketing? And it's always podcasting because yeah. that's the depth piece of marketing for me. And that's where I can really have like very intentional, meaningful conversations with people. And I can really speak uncensored and it's easy for me and I have no resistance whatsoever. But then when I go to do the Instagram thing, it's not that it's a skill gap. I can do it on the fly, but it just feels so freaking like superficial and surface level and frivolous. And I'm just like, gag, you know, there's resistance there for that. Yeah. I mean, fully. And I I actually think, well, two things on a practical sense. I actually think that's why the podcast can be such a gift for you because everything can kind of tie back to that. It's like, and if you want to hear my full context, go Mm -hmm. (laughs) listen to the podcast. So it's almost like, could you be using all of the like surface levelly things as a way to send more podcast traffic. Like that could be something to think about. But I think from like a mindset standpoint, it might be like, I know like you have such a deep desire to serve. So it might be like you thinking about it in a different way. Like you have to touch them with the surface level to get most people to go deep where that comes more naturally for you. So it might be like, this is my service. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there might be a way to play with that where it feels a little bit more aligned because I get that where it's like if your nature is to live in the deep end and then everybody that you want to talk to is on a platform that swims in the shallow end, it can be a little frustrating, but I'm sure there's like a way to make that more palatable, but from a mindset standpoint, but practically speaking, I think the podcast is, or I mean, focusing on the podcast is a great lead in. Do you kind of already do that or what do you feel like the relationship is with like Instagram to podcast right now? I definitely cross pollinate, but, and it's hard for podcasting because you get the demographics, you get your numbers, but like, you don't really know who they are. Totally. Like there's no name behind it. It's not like I can look at their profiles. So I do find that the podcast has its own community and I honestly don't Mm. know where the heck they come from because I only cross pollinate on my list, my email list and Instagram, but I get a lot of people who who message me that are not in either one of those communities. Mm-hmm, They'll mm-hmm, email mm-hmm. me or something. And so it does have its own community. And the weeks where I don't market the podcast stuff on Instagram or email, I still have the same similar downloads. Yeah. So maybe that's like an interesting experiment. It's like, how do we move more of your Instagram audience to the podcast? Because one, that might just feel better for you in terms of like, then when you put something out on Instagram, you're like, whatever, they can get the full picture on the podcast. But also if that's the place you like to spend the most time in, obviously that just makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Do you feel like you do some of the thought leadership more on the podcast? Mm -hmm. Because it's easier. Yeah. Because to me, thought leadership has to be holistic. And so there are contexts and there is the human experience within that. And those are the things that I really like to talk about. Can you give me an example of like an episode you did that on recently? Like, let's just go specific. Like, how did I talk about it on a podcast versus how would it be weird to translate? Yeah. So like my recent episodes are not business. So it's kind of hard for me to go that recent, but an example would be something like five mindset hacks for like when you're noticing you're procrastinating on something like that's a great hook for a reel and it's bam, 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 bam. 
and like, okay, cool. Like now we know what these things are. But then on the podcast, I can really break down like nervous system regulation, identity Mm -hmm. shifts, how we understand how, who we are in like the ecosystems of our business and in our different communities and the cultural influences and how we see ourselves. And so it's like, yeah, it's a mindset piece, but it's also the energy. It's also the embodiment. It's also like your body's physiological response. And so there is just more of that depth. Something else that comes up for me there is maybe like breaking all of those pieces down into their own social media posts or reel so that that feels like you can go deeper where like sometimes we're trying to go like translation for translation, meaning like I talk about all this in the podcast episode, then somehow I'm supposed to put it into a reel. And I think sometimes that can feel really tough, but maybe that's five different things that you're creating. Like the five hacks become their own things. I don't know if that resonates, but just trying to find a way to say that, like, I think you probably could transfer a lot of this thought leadership that's already happening. It might just not be in like the expected way of like, I do a podcast episode on this and then I do a reel on this, but it might be in like the, I pick out like 10 nuances that I talk about in the podcast and then translate those, you know? Yeah, I agree. And part of me is thinking that I should just like videotape me recording my podcast episodes and then get that to be like cut up by somebody into little pieces that have the sound bites for what social media loves. And then it's also like creating that intimacy and also leadership because it's not like I'm just doing some like hippie puppy dance to a trending audio, but it's like actually, you know, me talking and like adding something that's not on the feed a million times. Totally agree with that. I think that at least it's a starting point, right? Like Mm -hmm. at least it's like a really solid, like let's have all of this content like at our disposal and then you can kind of decide like what you want to do with it. But I think that would be a really – because I think what you're you're coming to is like it's not like you're not ever sharing this. It's just like it's not getting Mm – out in a way that's going to get you a lot of reach. Like you don't, do you do guests on your podcast? You don't, right? Every now and then. And that was something else that I've been thinking about too, is if I really love podcasting so much, what does it look like for me to go all in on that right now? I do one episode a week, but it's totally easy for me to be like, what if instead of that, it's two episodes a week and one's a solo and one's a guest? Or does that then reduce my numbers because people want one episode a week? I don't know, but I'm sitting with that. Yeah, I think that's like, well, so basically right now your podcast is like a nurture tool, right? Because it's probably not getting reached because you're not really promoting Mm -hmm. outside of your own sphere. You don't have guests, whatever. And so like it's it's more just like how do we move that content then for to reach tools. So like moving recorded podcasts to reels would be huge. And then considering guests, I think would be really big too. So it's like, you know, I think it's it's helpful to not be like, oh, I have to like change everything about how I show up. It's more like how do I leverage how I'm already showing up in a way that feels good to get more of that somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that you even have to go to two a week if you don't want to. I mean, obviously that's going to increase downloads, but I think even moving to like two guests a month and then you can decide how many other solos you want to do might make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. At least as a starting point. 
Okay, so something really important is knowing if you're using something as a nurture tool or a reach tool in your business. And many things can be both-ish. <laughs> and the reason I say both-ish is because I still think you need to know what your priority is, right? So like literally as an example in my business is definitely a nurture tool. Does it get me reached? Yes, of course. We've been doing this for nine seasons. We've nurtured the shit out of our audience. They love it, they share it. Of course it has grown and gotten more reach, but every time I'm showing up or literally I'm thinking about how do I support and nurture the audience with this, right? Knowing that and seeing it as like a nurture slash conversion tool is really, really helpful because it informs all of the decisions I make around it. Where first, if it was a reach tool, I would be treating this podcast totally different, right? Like I'd have guests on it all the time. I would have you know, not such specific topics, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't structure it. Like you have to listen to every episode for it to make sense, right? Like nothing about this is structured for reach in many ways because I built it as a nurture tool. And so when you know that in your business, it just informs so much of your strategy and it makes it so easy to figure out how you want to be approaching things. When you're trying to make everything equally both, you're gonna feel quite frustrated and you're gonna probably bounce back and forth on strategy a bit. And so just think about that. Like, do you want Instagram to be your nurture or reach tool? What about your podcast? What about, you know, like anything else you're doing? And again, not that it can't be both-ish, but knowing the priority will make such a difference. And when I look at my funnel, most of my clients come from Instagram but almost all of them were sold based on the podcast. Yeah. Which makes sense because that's where I'm building the trust. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, it's your nurture tool, right? Mm -hmm. Which is good. But I think what I'm hearing is like, you need to have visibility and you need a good way to do that. And so why wouldn't we use the thing that you feel best doing, right? Yeah, and like how else then do I... I tried YouTube. I I didn't love YouTube just because I find that the, like, I think it would be different if I was just recording podcast episodes and uploading that on YouTube, but creating totally different content for YouTube just was taking so much time, a steep learning curve, and I just didn't need to do it. So I was like, this is maybe great for a year from now, but like, I just don't have capacity in the season to prioritize that when I don't have to. Totally. But how else, like what else would work to drive visibility to the podcast outside of just Instagram is also what I'm sitting with in terms of my capacity and also what would make sense for my community. Well, I think those, I mean, honestly, guests and Instagram could be your like good starting points. Like, I don't know that you need to go much further beyond that right now because you've never really focused on that, right? Like, I'm sure you like you said, you've mentioned the podcast on Instagram, but it's not like you've been like, we're going all in on getting reach on this on Instagram at all. And then two, like guests are always going to give you reach because they're going to share it with their audience. I would make sure if you have a guest that there's like an agreement there that they're going to share it, that kind of thing. And so even those two would probably be pretty big boosts. Mm -hmm. So you may not even want to do anything else to start with in terms of capacity. Obviously an option is like, podcast ads, like ads to your podcast. But if it were me, I would probably keep that in my back pocket. Yeah. Until you do the other two as a starting point. You know what I mean? Like we're doing podcast ads for literally, but I obviously can't have guests <laughs> on literally. So I like had to jump to that strategy earlier than I maybe would have if I had other things. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I haven't, like my business is totally organic marketing. I've never 
been an ads person. I've never needed to, but these are just things that I've been thinking of as I want to scale the mastermind, knowing that like the numbers and also my capacity is going to shift because my marketing is very primarily, as you know, like just more that intimate. Yeah. Which, which needs to shift. I also think it's smart because like what I always think about in my own business is like not not waiting until I need to do something to do it. So it's like even right now, you technically don't need to do this. Like you could probably fill quite a few spots in the new offering with current audience, et cetera. But I think it's still smart to be thinking about this now because especially with scaling, there's always a wall you're going to hit on that if you're not thinking in advance. So it's like much better to not wait until you've hit the wall, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm happy with that to change to two guest episodes a month and to go all in to record myself doing my episodes and to go all in with the cross-pollination more. So I spoke about this a bit with Robin here, but I wanted to just speak on it a little bit more because I think it's really important is the idea of doing something before you need to do something, right? So knowing that like, okay, I don't have to do this right now, but like eventually it will probably be important. Start doing that thing now, <laughs> right? A great example that we have done in a lit up life is if you guys have been watching, you know, I've like really doubled down on changing kind of how I show up on Instagram and on social a bit. And it's like, I don't need to do that right now, right? We have a really, really long wait list. We're full with clients. Like this is not like a quote unquote current problem in any way. But I can see how if I don't adapt, it could be a problem. Like who knows how long that takes to become a problem. Maybe it's years, right? But I don't want to be years down the road going, dang, I saw this coming and I didn't do shit about it, right? I want to be able to do something about it when I don't need to, because that's actually what creates so much like fun and lightness. So I've been having a ton of fun experimenting more on social and playing with reels. And it's because I don't have to, it's because I don't need to right now. And so remembering that sometimes in your business it is a gift to do the thing before you need to do the thing. Remind me what the podcast is called, like the actual title. The Profitable Way. And that's another thing that I'm like, do I need to change the name? Because I like, that was like baby Robin. And it made sense to me then because it was like really about business profits and all that. But who I am has evolved and I'm so much more about embodied business and like the mindset piece. And yeah, like the somatic piece is a big part of my business now. And so I've also like, it's it, yeah, profits matter, but like also it's not necessarily, yeah. Well, I don't not like the name at all, but what I was actually thinking, and maybe this, you know, is the overlap here, but what I was actually thinking is titling it somewhat similar to what we decide a new name for a club rise might be would probably be really smart. That's exactly what I've been thinking. And so then I'm like sitting with that embodied business piece, but I don't know if that's just too generic. Like if there's a lot of people who are marketing embodied business now. The downfall of recording things on a podcast is you have to say everything on the podcast. So here's here's what I have to say about that. <laughs> is I think that a lot of people who are talking about embodied business right now are doing it from such a like spinny, not grounded, like, you know, all like 
What what am I trying to not say? embodied? My hand <laughs> yeah, not embodied. Thank you. I don't know how else to, I like didn't know how else to say that. Like from a not embodied place, actually, which is really interesting. And I think that a lot of people are using that as like a way to make up for all they're lacking in IQ. And I don't mean IQ like literal IQ, but I mean like the intelligent quotient of like use this strategy, take this data, do this thing, right? Yes. And so I'm sure. That is not true for everyone, just so we're clear. But I do think there is a large portion of our industry that is trying to make up for their lack of like hard skills by doing that. And it's coming across as very not embodied and like soupy and not in a good way. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. So all that to say, I I think that maybe there's two words (laughs) there for you or there's something else for you where it's like, yes, that's so much of it. And also like, we do want to bring in this other strength piece that we've been talking about, like the embodied and something or whatever. I'm just making that up. But I do wonder if that's not something to play with a little bit more so that it doesn't feel like you're kind of in that camp where you're like really differentiating yourself a bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because for 10 years, my clients called me the strategy sniper and Like that's definitely what like I have the most experience with. The embodiment piece is just like how we do that. Okay. So what I'm hearing from you is we're doing a podcast called The Strategy Sniper. (laughs) (laughs) By the time this airs, it'll be out everywhere. (laughs) Everyone go search your go search your Apple podcast or the strategy sniper. I'm kidding. But but it does feel important. I think this is like the crux of everything you're struggling with to a certain extent is that those feel really far apart and we have like you personally have them blended, but we need to branding blend them, right? Exactly. Yeah. When you think, just talk this out for me because sometimes it's helpful, but when you think of embodiment, like what's your definition? To not be separate from the body. In business specifically, it's about really drowning out the noise outside of you and tapping into the wisdom within and like really finding a way to align your your body and to preserve and protect and love your body as part of that process because so much of what we've learned about business and the capitalism roots and all of that is that productivity comes first and mm-hmm, so we're mm-hmm. we're conditioned to see the body as a machine, not the sacred vessel of wisdom and vitality, you know, without getting fluffy and not tangible. But it's it's just so, so, so important to be grounded and connected with our body's wisdom and to really respect the body as part of the pursuit of doing awesome things in the world and building a business and all of that. And it's, it's not about bypassing. And yeah, it's like so important when our bodies just know, and there are these like beautiful compasses for like big decisions. And I I don't like the bypassing of the body's messages and all of that stuff for the pursuit of profits is just not what I'm about at all. And so that's the, the, the real beautiful balance of the feminine and the masculine in the work I do. 
of like, how do we tap into your aliveness as a human being? And how does that overflow into your creativity and to your expression and to the strategy and the vitality that you then inject into your business versus like, oh, I'm like, I want to do all these things and push through all these things. I make my body so depleted. And then I will take a rest and then I will listen to my body. And it's also about like the cyclical aspect of our hormones and the seasons and all of that is integrated into the strategy that both I do in my own business and also that I work with my clients. This is not it at all, but just to give us like a starting point, I'll tell you what my brain came up with there. But it's almost like what came up for me there is you're basically just using like a body first strategy. Yeah, totally. So like body first, strategy second, or like the strategy is listen to your body first. And so I don't think the name is body first strategy, but I do think like some way to convey those living together, it feels so important here. I also really liked how you were talking about like not bypassing it in pursuit of the things we want. I think there could be like a cool play on words around like not bypassing in terms of like title and stuff like that. Because I feel like that's so present. (laughs) Yes. And to me, like mindset is body, you know, it's like not just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the mind. And you and I both agree that mindset's usually the biggest part of it. Like the strategy is actually quite easy if you have enough experience and there's data and it's like a science experiment, but like getting the body (laughs) to be on board and understanding the body and like playing with what's there for you and like where those patterns are happening and the identity piece and the the nervous system regulation and all of that. Like to me, I'm seeing people talk about it more and it sounds trendy, but like, it's not, it's not truly understood in the depth of like how it really makes a difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think it's not reflected in the brands that are often pushing it. So I think that that's why you have a bit of a challenge and responsibility here. So I understand that that it's not as easy as just being like, oh, let's call it the profitable way and move on. You know, it's like a different, it's a different animal to think about it in that way. I would say like, let's just make that a to-do is to just get a document going where we both just like throw some ideas on there and like tear, tear things up and rework them and stuff. But I do think like if we can come up with what is Club Rise as the name, how does it bring all of this into play. And then if we could match that with the podcast, all of that starts making sense for you because it's like one funnel, one focus, one thing. Does that feel good? Yeah. And then that's really like the brand identity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm down for that. I cannot stress enough how much like one funnel, one focus, one brand identity is freaking huge for scaling, right? It is so important when you're trying to really make a program take off. And honestly, it's what Robin didn't have to do before to be successful with one-on-one. Like I really think with one-on-one, you don't have to do this in quite the same way. How I think about things in the lit up life versus how I think about things in dateable. They're similar, but different, right? Like the way we have to get so focused in dateable is different than how I can operate at a lit up life because I'm a one-on-one coach, right? And so I just wanted to share this as a reminder. It's not to say like, oh my gosh, you have to be so rigid and so niche and all of those things. That's not what I mean, but you really do want to have a singular focus to scale, 
because that is how you really take something and make it better. And you know, again, what is the definition of scaling? It's like being able to expand revenue at a you know faster rate than you're expanding your expenses. And it's really hard to do that if you're doing that across multiple offers and funnels and all the things, right? It's much easier to do that if you're really doing that with like one funnel, one focus. And so again, I'm not saying that you couldn't possibly scale without it. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have, and I really do think that it makes it a lot easier. So this is the reminder that can be such a game changer. And also if you do just want to focus on one-on-one, don't get caught up in the hype that that's what it has to look like for you either. You know, there's really so many nuances to all of this and it's about what fits you your goals your audience and like your ultimate desires the most and that's why robin had a season where that wasn't important and now she's in a season where it is because her goals and desires have changed and that's totally fair and it's okay for us to evolve in that i also think that speaks to the strength piece because then you really are showcasing your expertise yeah you're not like needing to be the jack of all trades Totally. I think that's so true too. And also I think just like in our world right now, we do need some differentiation, you know, to like really stand out. You have it. It's just, are we conveying it is really the point. And how do I convey it in a way that doesn't dilute both? Yeah. Right. Like how do I really speak to this embodiment piece that I fully wholeheartedly believe and also live, like it's lived experience. It's not just something I believe, it's who I am, how I operate. But also like that doesn't dilute what I can bring to the table in terms of the strategy and the systems and a decade's worth of experience behind hundreds of businesses. I wonder, like, again, we can throw things in a doc and like tear it apart, but I wonder if we also think about something like body first business. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that creates a lot of curiosity. And I think it's a bit different to when I hear a lot of other conversations about embodiment. I think people think it means your head for your your way of like maybe feeling aligned to something, but not necessarily in terms of like actually your body. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I like, again, not that that has to be it, but I think the idea of creating something like body first business, body first strategy, where we're like really like staking a claim Mm -hmm. on like a different way of thinking about it, I think could be really interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like it's it's just helpful to say this, but I, you were kind of saying it earlier too. This is like all the shit you didn't have to do before. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of excited about it because, yeah. yeah, like it's kind of fun to also be like, okay, so that chapter is done and we're in the next chapter and I'm totally willing to kind of start again in some ways and and experiment and like see what sticks, but also it feels like it's not ground zero. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally not ground zero. It's just, it's just like to be a great one-on-one coach in some ways, jack of all trade vibes can be good. Right. Yeah. And also like, you just don't have to pick a lane in the same way that you do if you want to scale one funnel, one product, one program kind of thing. And so I think it's just cool because you have so much of the foundational knowledge of how you coach. I think it's really hard to pick this shit from the beginning, but you have like years of coaching experience under your belt now. And so you like actually know what your thing is, which, you know, does make it a little harder to conceptualize because you have years of, of that, 
but it also makes it a lot easier because it's going to be so simple to run with this once you land on like name concept. Like I think you'll be able to take it really far, but it is just funny to be like, welcome to all the shit you never had to worry about, you know? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. I think this is good though. I think that it all feels like it's coming together, I think. Do you tell me if that feels true for you? But when I think about us talking about like, how do we center you more? How do we center the identity you want? Now we're talking about what does it look like to put that into a brand and into a course name and or program name rather. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're answering all of it at the same time, which I think can feel quite big. So feel free to speak to that if it does. But also I think it just makes sense that all of those questions need to get answered for this to solidify. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I feel really good about it because I'm also at that point where like I do want to go deep with people. And so I do, yeah, like meet people earlier in their business stage, but I don't want that to mean like I'm just doing beginner stuff with them. Yeah. So I think having this like solid brand identity for the group program is going to attract people who want that as well. They don't just want like, give me a sales funnel. It's like, okay, I can do that super easily, probably in one or two sessions, but like, can we do more? Yes. Yes. You're like really like you would need to be bought into all of this to come into this container. And that makes it like a lot more exciting where before it was like easier to kind of mold or shape shift to the client in front of you. And now you're having to like hold a bit of a harder boundary or container there. Mm Mm-hmm. So then my my concern is, are there enough people out there that like want this? I mean, you know, the cheesy answer is it's your job to sell them on it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But I think like what I always see with clients and in this space really is that when you are so locked in on one particular message that you've really, really nailed – it's shocking how easy it is to get other people on board with that because the clarity is so precise. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to have that conversation because you have such a North Star. So I think the answer is yes. And quite honestly, that will probably be the easy part. I imagine the hard part here is going to feel like taking all of the bigness of this and shoving it into a message. <laughs> yes. So all that to say that that's probably going to be your biggest challenge, the finding people that will resonate with it once you've landed on that, I don't think will be. Okay. I also think an interesting secondary approach might be to write about clients that you've loved as well, because obviously we want that kind of Venn diagram overlapping section here of like, who is this like new version of Robin? How are we centering her? How are we bringing her online? How are we bringing all of those pieces of you in a much more tangible way? Slash, who do you love to work with and what pieces of those people do you see and what threads do you see there? So that might be just like great homework to write out, especially for me to know as well. Like I'm sure you know that, but I would love to see that as well. Okay. Because, you know, that's obviously such a consideration in this messaging because we don't want people to show up that are like in some ways, you're. I imagine you tell me if this is true. You are trying to attract the people who are disconnected from their bodies because you can help them reconnect. Or so this is where I get stuck because I assume this is where like making assumptions makes an ass out of you, right? Because <laughs> like I assume that 
But then I actually, for this year, I've noticed a pattern where it's people who just value being in their body and like don't want to work with somebody who's going to make them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. violate what they're like naturally feeling called to do. So it is like a lot of embodiment coaches, a lot of healers, a lot of holistic entrepreneurs, a lot of people who actually are connected with their body and are looking for someone who honors that as well or people who honor it, but they know that they're underutilizing it and they're looking for practical tools and ways to integrate it. I think something interesting comes up for me there then when we think about your messaging, where it's like, it almost seems to me at that point, like your messaging needs to lead a little more with strategy while talking about honoring the body instead of what's almost happening is maybe the other way around. Yeah. Because they want the strategy. And this is like an all my feedback. It's like they bought it for the strategy. But the thing that surprised them that they left the most was the other piece. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, potentially we go with something like body first business or we throw that out the window and lead a lot more with like the strategy while talking about embodiment and the, you know, the honoring of that and stuff. But it that's why the client stuff is always helpful because it's like, oh, yeah, like they don't need the five mindset hacks, maybe. Like they need a little bit more of the strategy piece while knowing I'm honoring the mindset or body within yeah. that. So that that might be something to think about as well. Yeah, I think that's like definitely at least so far where my clientele have fallen. When you think about that, does that give you the like ick or does that feel exciting to like almost like rework what percentage of attention these things are getting? I'm so confident with the strategy piece that and yeah. also, I just love working with those people so much because they genuinely are the healers and like the light workers, right? Like they want to do good things in the world and they just need that. And this is the other thing. A lot of them just like really lack structure. So one of the main things they all say they love about me is the structure that they get. So mm-hmm. like that is what they're really, that's very attractive to them. I feel like we're about to like make this whole pivot where now it's like (laughs) you lead with strategy and structure. I mean, when you say that, it makes sense. And it also brings us back to the initial part of this conversation, which is so funny, which is like, that's the place you've always felt the most confident. Yeah, exactly. That's the why. It's like full circle. It's like, that's where you feel the most confident. That's what they want. And that's what you've been hiding. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because the embodiment's the how of that. Uh Uh-huh. But it's not, yeah. And I think I hide because I don't like do the trendy thing. Yeah. And like the strategy piece is actually quite boring because like for me, because it's so easy. What do you think you'd feel bored leading with that? No, I don't think I'd feel bored on a podcast because I can lead with that, but then also go into the other nuances. Yes. 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 But to me, strategy is so easy that... I forget that that is oftentimes like it's my zone of genius and people like see that. And then that's like the thing that they're lacking. So like they eat that up, but I don't like focus on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that answer feels super clear. I would sit with that a little bit, obviously, but it it also feels like centering you more because you're leading with the easiest thing for you. And I think there's really something magical about that in business. Like, it feels easy when you lead with the thing that's easiest for you, ironically, you know? And I think it might feel easiest to scale in that way too. And I actually think, I don't know if your brain is going to hate this or love this, so tell me, but I actually think that if you lead with that, it makes scaling much easier for you because strategy is more 
something you can teach that is more broadly applicable than, you know, like the personalized nuance of all of the other stuff. And so to me, it also seems like it makes a lot of sense as you pivot out of just like the one-to-one to one-to-many, you know? Yeah. Like you can have a very specific framework. Yeah. you And you can like literally teach, right? Strategy where like teaching embodiment, I think is quite different or teaching, you know, going deep with someone making those shifts. Like obviously that's a little bit more of like a personal nuance thing. So it's not that you're not still going to do that, but you see what I'm saying. Like, I think like all of this seems to line up with like, it's easiest for you. It's what they want. It's most scalable. It's like, it's kind of checking every box, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So this is an obvious one, but it's one that's really easy to miss, which is this kind of idea of leading with what your clients most want or need. This conversation with Robin is so useful because it's like, she's leading with something that they like, embodiment, but when she really looks at you know, what they're coming to her for, it's strategy. And so that's fine. And she's obviously gotten clients from it. And it's not, quote unquote, not working, right? But when we look at, okay, well, what scales this? What makes this work better? What if we were leading with the thing they're coming to us for? What if we weren't like burying that lead, so to speak, right? But being like, hey, this is what we can help you with most, but also we do this, that is so useful. And so sometimes I think that we don't really look at that enough in our own businesses because we're so in it. It's so hard to see. We're like, oh yeah, people come to me for this and this. And it's like, well, which one are they really coming to you for? Which one are you really leading with? Which one have you focused your message on? Again, it's kind of back to that focal point where it's not like you can't talk about other things, but having a focus really matters. And so this is kind of just a reminder to do a check-in with yourself. Like, do you feel like you're leading with what your clients want most? Is that really reflected in your messaging? If you look at like your past 10 clients, do you feel like your messaging around what they want lines up with that? Just do a check-in. It's so, so, so valuable. And you'd be so surprised how easy it is to, you know, navigate away from that sometimes in business without even realizing it because you're just so in it, it's hard to see. So check in with yourself on that this week. All right. So I need to sit with that. You definitely need to sit with it. I think like it's as much as it's something that does check every box or that you're probably already doing by and large, I actually do think this is a really big decision. So I just want to name that of like, what are you leading with in your business is still like a huge choice. So don't feel like you need to like make that overnight. Or again, I think like massaging and figuring out this messaging is probably going to be the hardest work of all of this. So if it takes weeks, like I think that's okay. would let yourself have that. But yeah, I think this is, this is the thing to sit with right now. Mm -hmm. All right. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's coming up for you then? Well, my framework has always been like strategy systems and soul. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's always been strategy first. And the reason is because I think like you need to have the strategy and then you need it. That's like your path. And then you need the systems to bring the path to life. But then the soul piece is like your unique way of doing that and integrating and executing and like holding those things. And I think that still is like the compass here, but it's more about the marketing aspect of it that I'm totally needing to figure out. Totally. I think you led with soul. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like also been the season of life for me that's been very immersed in that. Yeah. Okay. 
And maybe that's good. Like maybe you need a season in business that feels a little lighter for you too. And maybe that would really be nice, you know? And also it gets people's results faster in a way because there's like very specific things they can do outside of needing to be in their process. Yeah, totally. All right. All right. Keep me posted in Basecamp. Let me know what comes up. We can play with that naming doc as well. Just like, you know, throw me some ideas and we'll go back and forth on that. Might be helpful to write out those ideal client traits, but I feel like we kind of landed on that. So I'll give you that as a to-do. But if you feel like, you know, like that's that's mm-hmm. closed out, that's totally fine too. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm excited to hear what transpires. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You Bye. too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Literally. Your precious earbud time means the world to me, and I'm incredibly grateful that you chose to spend it with this podcast. Your feedback is not only valuable, but essential to me on this journey. So if you've enjoyed the podcast and found it beneficial, please take a moment to leave a review. And here's the best part. To express my gratitude, I'll select one lucky reviewer each month to receive my ultimate mini course to maximizing results in one-on-one coaching. If you want to be an in-demand coach who's known for creating those epic results and getting epic results in your own business because of it, then this course is for you and you can grab the first module of it for free right now at alitoflife.com forward slash mini course.